Good morning. It's my privilege to read from the Bible today, and it, you'll find the reading in the Old Testament. It's Joshua chapter 2, and it's, you'll find it on page 170. It'll also be on the screen behind. Joshua chapter 2. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax that, had, that she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan, and as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies laid down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my mother and father, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, Go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return, and then go on your way. Now the men had said to her, This oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless, when we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into your house. If any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. 
So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. When they left, they went into the hills and stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Then the two men started back. They went down out of the hills, forded the river and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. Friends, uh, good morning. It's uh, good to be back after a few few weeks away. And um, let me pray that God will speak to us through his word this morning. Lord God, we thank you for your word. It's powerful to change lives. And it's powerful to make us more like Jesus. So we ask that we would hear your word this morning, that we would align ourselves with the true God, and that we would experience life and forgiveness through Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, uh, our God is a God of surprises. God often does the unexpected. I remember years ago, I, uh, <coughs> I uh, used to be a high school teacher, and um, I had a student called John. <coughs> Excuse me, I'll clear the throat. Uh, John, I remember one day at the playground, I went out to find him and he was climbed up a tree. Uh, he's an unusual looking fellow. He's holding a knife in the school playground and we're trying to coax him out of the tree. Bullied, broken, a little bit crazy. And uh, later after I left teaching, I got a phone call once and there was a guy called John. And he said, uh, I said, this is John. I said, um, which John? He said, uh, I was from Maryville High School. Uh, you used to teach me. Do you remember me? And he told me his surname. I remember who he was. He said, I just want to tell you that I met Jesus. I now go to a church in Newtown, and God has changed my life. God, I never expected something like that. God does the unexpected and saves people from all backgrounds. Thinking about Southeast Asia, I had a chance to visit both those programs, Access Life, and the Elevate Youth Centre, I've worked with the workers there, I've, I've been out in the, in the villages, I've seen what new water pipes put in, I, I prayed with people who are laid out in a bed, mobility mission, and our workers have been doing a fantastic job there for a long time now. Uh, but uh, just after the Bali bombing in 2002, uh, some of our workers uh, were, were serving uh, with a Hindu woman uh, in a hospital, and uh, they shared Christ with this Hindu woman, and then gave her the Jesus video to watch, and she watched it once, she watched it a second time, watched it a third time, and had no impact. And on the fourth or fifth time, I think she said, she just started to weep at the end of the video, where there's an altar call. There's an explanation of how to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. She understood the message of the cross, converted, then became one of our co-workers in that mission. God is a God of transformation. God is a God of surprises. God does the unexpected. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And what we see in Joshua chapter 2 that's just been read to us is God's amazing grace to a foreigner who was far from God. Remember uh, God's promises in Genesis 12? Let me take you back. Uh, David started this series two weeks ago in Joshua, calling uh, Joshua to take the people across the Jordan River into the promised land. But God had promised to Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. 
I will make you, listen to the promises, a great nation. I'll make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth, listen to this last bit, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The promises of God are not simply for Israel, they are for the nations. That's why we take the gospel to the nations. That's why we talk about main mission appeals. That's why we care for mums and we care for dads. We care for boys, we care for girls. We worry about grandparents. You see, it's for all people of all nations. God had promised land and Joshua is going to lead them to possess that land. God has promised them to be a great nation and a blessing to all nations, Gentiles as well as Jews. And but what is amazing in this story is that in the midst of God taking his people into the promised land to fulfill his promises, he's passionately concerned for the redemption of a Gentile prostitute named Rahab. God knows her. He knows she's there. He knows he's going to save her. He knows he's going to bring her into the people of God. And in the middle of this big story, he stops and we see a woman who's been met by God. Let me say, firstly, it's a somewhat surprising spy mission. Uh, People have debated about why did they send spies in? Did they not trust God? Great, thanks. Because at the end of chapter 1, they're confident that God's going to give them the land. And if you didn't have chapter 2, you can read from chapter 1, the last verse, go straight to chapter 3, they go in to take the land. You didn't need chapter 2 in the middle of it. Why did they send the spies? Did they not trust God? People say, well... Even though God has told them they will get the land, is there a lack of trust? We're not sure. Or is it just routine procedure? God's going to give us the land, go and check it out and see what it's like. Or was it, more profoundly, God's surprising plan to bless others? Well, we do know what was the impact of the spy mission. 2.24, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. It does confirm to the people of God that God is in this. Because the people already are frightened. The people already know that God is with this group of people. Secondly, if they were obedient to the Lord's command, then we're probably right in thinking that it was for the saving of Rahab and not merely for the bringing back information that they were sent. And you need to see that, that God is interested in Rahab and her family. Let me take you to John chapter 4. Jesus meets a Samaritan woman, married five times, and the one she's with is not her husband. The Bible says Jesus had to go through Samaria. No, he didn't. He didn't have to go that way. There's another way he could have gone. He could have gone the normal way Jews would go. Why did he have to go through Samaria? Because he knew there was a woman there. Do you notice Jesus' love and interest in women? There was a woman there. That people mocked and people insulted and people ridiculed. A little bit like Rahab in the Old Testament. And right there at the beginning of the story of God is God's compassion for the broken, for the lost. God sends the spies, I think, to save a Gentile prostitute. God knew that in Jericho there was a person chosen for the purpose, to be saved and incorporated into the tribe of Israel. But more than that, not simply into the tribe of Israel, to be an ancestor of King David and the Lord Jesus Christ. To be a mother 
in the genealogy of Jesus. Go and read Matthew chapter 1, verse 5 later. You look at the, the genealogy of Jesus and the story of his line, how he was born. They are what we call skeletons in the closet. Oh, that person, that person, really? They're part of your family line. Because God doesn't just get some perfect family line to work through. He works through fallen, broken people like us. So let me tell you, whoever you are, whatever your background, where you're watching on live stream, God loves you deeply. But they asked also, why did they visit a prostitute's home? And they said, they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Obviously, she, she's called a prostitute, whether she was still working as a prostitute or used to work as a prostitute, she's got a house. We know later it's on the city wall. Maybe it's a place where a lot of guests could, could hide easily uh, from the authorities, we're not sure. The Jewish historian uh, Josephus says she was an innkeeper. But Hebrews 11.31 and James 2.25 make it uh, clear that she was a prostitute. Probably because it was a good hiding place, hoping to avoid the authorities. There's no evidence here that they were seeking to make use of a prostitute. It's not like, hey, uh, yeah, we'll go and check out the land and, you know, abuse a woman. There's no evidence of that in the text. And someone suggests she may have been both an innkeeper and a prostitute as part of her role. But the spies were detected. The secret police arrived. They turn up. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So whatever the case, and her house is on the city wall, someone has seen them come in. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. What will Rahab do? Friends, in a spy drama watching on television, you get the commercial break now, right? Bring them out. Colgate toothpaste now. <laughs> commercial. And then we come back to see what happens next. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. The surprising response of this prostitute. Firstly, her actions. She had hidden the men. She, by hiding them, she is identifying with Israel's God. She making herself an enemy of her own people. She told three lies to protect them. I did not know where they come from, verse 4. At dusk, the men left, she said to them, verse 5. I don't know which way they went. Again, verse 5. Three lies. Lying to protect God's people. Why did she do it? Were they good-looking young men? Oh, I don't want, you know, you're a lovely young man. I don't want you to be killed. I'm just going to protect you. Was she simply kind-hearted and compassionate? Friends, no. The answer is that she come to recognize Israel's God as the true God. She risks her life for these men and places all her hope in the mercy of God. So significant. She sees them from God's true people. And she has a surprising knowledge and faith in verses 8 to 14. And that's the central part of this text, for 8 to 14. What she says that she knows and understands. She realizes, a pagan prostitute realizes that Israel's God, the God of the whole world, has given the land to Israel, verse 9. She says, I know, verse 8, God has given you the land. A great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. Of all the people, there's this one woman 
It says, your God is the true God. Your God is in charge. Your God's going to give you this land. Secondly, we have heard. They've heard the news. The story's coming. Do you hear those Israelites are coming? They've just defeated some people. They remember the exodus. God dried up the water. She recounts that. They talk about the military victory over Sihon and Og, two kings of the Amorites. That's from Numbers 21. So they're hearing the stories. We know your God is true. We've heard those stories. You're coming. You're going to take over. We acknowledge that the Lord Yahweh, your God, is God in heaven above and on the earth below. And if their God is God, the true God, then they are in terrible trouble because the God of all the universe of heaven and earth is coming in to take the land. She's going, what do I do? Now, when you, uh, I realized when I came to faith in Jesus Christ and I realized God was the creator and I was a sinner and Jesus had died on a cross for me to take the penalty for my sins and he was raised from the dead and he called me to repent, to believe in him and find life or to reject him and find eternal, eternal help. I had to uh, make a decision. And so just as I made a decision as a 15-year-old to come to Christ, she's making a decision right now to call on God for mercy. She wants to identify with Israel's God and mercy is granted. But you see, she puts her life on the line here. By hiding the spies, if they catch her, they could put her to death. She's willing to identify with Israel's God despite the possibility of death. She repudiates her own past and people. A war is about to take place on her land. She says, I'm with Israel, not with my people. And she identifies with the Jewish people. She wasn't Jewish, but she believed in the Jewish God. And she wanted to become one of his followers. Friends, as we think about mission, when people leave Hinduism in some parts of the world and embrace Christ, it's costly. I know in Southeast Asia where I have visited, some people have not been able to return to their villages because everyone else is Hindu, they are now Christians. Opposition takes place. When people leave Islam and embrace Christ in Mozambique or amongst the big people group in Southeast Asia where we serve, through our workers, they risk persecution, alienation, the loss of jobs, the loss of reputation. You see, when you identify with Israel's God, the true God, when you identify with Jesus for us, it puts you into risky situations, but it's worth it. When people live formalized religion in Lebanon, where Milad used to work and embrace a loving God through faith in Jesus Christ, they often ostracize from their families and from the community. In Australia, when people leave secular atheism and they repent and believe in Christ, they often are ridiculed and mocked by families, friends, and colleagues. But it's worth it. The spies then laid down three conditions. Okay, if you want to be part of us, this is what you need to do. A scarlet cord must be placed in her window so we can know, so we can know that you're there. Friends, it just reminds us in the, uh, in the Exodus, the blood of the lambs was spread on the doorposts of the Jewish homes in Egypt. And as God's judgment came, these people were protected. Now, put your scarlet robe, uh, sorry, scarlet cord. When we see it, we'll pass over your home and you'll be safe. For us, the blood of Jesus was shed for us, which leads to our eternal salvation. They said, your family must all be in your house. 
make sure they're not out. If you want them safe, this is the safe house. Now, make sure your family's here. And the agreement between Rahab and the spies must be kept secret, verse 20. Friends, God, in this story we see, is both gracious and merciful. In Joshua 6, 25, we'll come to the passage in a few weeks' time, we read that Rahab and her family were saved. That's the end of the story. Just give you the end of the story. Both Joshua, but Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. I love that. She lives among the Israelites to this day. She's part of us now, part of the family of God. She joined God's family. She abandoned Canaan and its gods and received Canaan back or the promised land. As I said earlier, Rahab is a direct ancestor of both King David and Jesus. What do I take from this passage today? Firstly, the gospel is for the lost. Prostitutes, criminals, murderers, thieves, sexually immoral, selfish, jealous, proud, homeless, Hindus, Muslims, atheists, whatever it happens to be. The gospel is good news to the lost. It's good news to mums. It's good news to dads. It's good news to children. It's good news for everyone. And it's our responsibility as Christian believers to share that gospel in our community and to support our workers to share the gospel across the nations. I had a delightful uh, conversation once with a young couple. I was speaking at a camp. It was a brethren, a church, and uh, I spoke on their camp for the weekend. I would preach from time to time. It was over in Mascot, uh, the church. And uh, I met a young couple. I said, what's your story? He said, you know, we'd been both living on the streets in Darlinghurst. Homeless. And a young woman said, I worked as a prostitute. We had nothing. No purpose, no family, no friends around us. But they said, we both came to know Christ through the love of Christians in a dropping center in Darlinghurst. So there were Christians there showing the love of Christ, listening to us, serving us, loving us. Now I remember the story of Rahab, transformed by Christ. But I remember about this couple also is that, you know what the church did? They said when we got married, not only did they run the service for us, they ran our reception for us. One of the families had a nice house. And they said we, they organized it all and they paid for all of it, the food, the celebrations, the cake. They wanted to bless us. Now part of the family of God. Christian love in action. Friends, I know of a man who's in a Sydney prison at the moment and um, arrested, sentenced to jail, a former standover man. And uh, I know of him because a friend of mine is uh, mentoring him. But more than that, he is studying at Morling College by distance. A guy who's been converted while in prison, now loves Jesus, now helps with the chapel, and he's studying the Bible online. So you can study the Bible online too, by the way. <laughs> to be better equipped to know Christ and to serve Christ. Prostitute, on the streets, in jail. God is a God of mercy and forgiveness. But finally, let me say that God is also a righteous judge. And we remember that today. So if you're on the wrong side of God, then you're under his judgment. That is to come. And see, so God was bringing judgment on uh, 
on Jericho and the other, other parts of Canaan at that time because of their sinfulness, and he places his own people into the promised land. He brings an immediate judgment upon those, nation, those nations. But there will be a future day, the Bible says, when God will bring the ultimate judgment, where hell will be assigned to those who rejected Christ. And Acts chapter 17 says, In the past God overlooked such ignorance, that means the worship of other gods, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of all this to all men by raising him from the dead. Christ is alive, he is Lord, he is Saviour, and he's coming back to bring life to those who are waiting for him, to bring judgment to those who continue to rebel against him. Friends, we have a responsibility as Christians to help people be prepared for that final day. Many years ago, I was in Greece uh, with a friend, Michael, and um, just pre prior to me being married, and uh, we used to work together at Marigold, and uh, we're traveling around Greece. And as you know, when you travel in Europe, they drive on the right, wrong side of the road, don't they? And the problem is when you're trying to cross roads, when they drive on the opposite side, unless you are careful, you're in terrible danger. And I remember it was six lanes, I think in Thessalonica, and, um, and oh, we need to get across the road, and you, you quickly look to the right, there's no traffic, and I took a step forward, and he grabbed my leather jacket, and pull me back as hard as you can. And you shout it. And you get a little bit upset when they drag you back like that. It's like, what are you doing, mate? And then I looked. <laughs> Three lanes of traffic come that direction. Friends, the judgment of God is coming upon the world. We think we're okay. The world thinks it's okay. But God's a little bit like my friend Michael warning me, pursuing me, saying, I love you, come on, get out of the traffic, get out of the judgment that is coming. Rahab escaped the judgment of God in the Old Testament by aligning herself with God's people and trusting in God's God. My friends, we don't just simply have the pictures of the Old Testament because we, are, we, we live this side of the cross of Jesus. We have a Savior who died for us, a Savior who rose from the dead, a Savior who offers us and calls us to believe in him and find eternal life. God is gracious, God is merciful, and we need to do anything we can to help pull people out of the way of the coming judgments. Pray, speak, give, go in Australia and overseas that the nations will glorify God for his mercy. Let me pray. Lord God, we thank you that you bring good news to stubborn, rebellious people like us. We thank you for the forgiveness that comes through Christ alone, by faith alone, by grace alone. Lord, help us to be truly repentant, truly trusting in you. And Lord, help us to get this good news out to others, that they too would be, would be prepared for eternity, to know whether to die quickly, or to die in an accident, or to die at old, by old age, whatever it happens to be, God, that they would know Jesus. As Maurice did, as Joan Staples did, 
for now with Christ, which is better by far. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.